Hi, everyone. Thanks for stopping by our table of disappointment. This is How They Got Away, the show where we discuss the unsatisfying endings to your favorite unsolved or unpunished true crime and corporate greed stories. I'm your host for today, Annalise, uh, my co-host. Hi, it's Kelsey. Our guests. <laughs> Yolo, it's Yolo. <laughs> Stephanie. Hi, it's me, Anna, part two, again. Elizabeth so, Stephanie made fun of me for hi, it's Kelsey last time, and then when she was like, I'm going to go so much harder. She's mocking you. <laughs> I live my truth. I like how Kelsey's like, Stephanie is causing drama, and I'm not here for it. Annalise is like, girl, she's mocking you. Stop falling for her tricks. That's on you. <laughs> Every so, day is a plot in the in the podcast. So today we are covering part two on British Petroleum BP. Uh, we went through last time just a whole lot of rough times, oil spills, multiple deaths so far, lots of tragedies, and overall our takeaway is um, fuck capitalism, I guess. <laughs> Because literally, literally all of it could have been avoided if somebody was in charge of safety at this company at all. Or There's, cared about human life, I guess, over it, profit. It's just a lot of lack of oversight, really. It's a lot of things. So They don't care as long as you make the money. I guess not. We're going to start talking today about probably the most infamous of incidents from BP and the one that we know and the one that Stephanie spoiled at the start of our last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did. This is Deepwater oh, yeah. Horizon, the oil spill in the Gulf. Before we get too much into it, um, I'm going to kind of give us the lowdown of the actual event and then we can piece out our own memories from this time because this was big. So Deepwater Horizon was a drilling oil rig that operated in uh, the Macondo Prospect in the Gulf of Mexico. Thanks for clarifying. You know, (laughs) at the time of the incident, um, it had drilled in other fields, but it was at Macondo Prospect at this point. Because as we learned last time, these things move around. Terrifying. In 2007, it was described as one of the most powerful rigs in the world and was known for its luck in striking large amounts of oil. Well, that I luck was that not just the idea, even today with like all of our technology, that it's really just a guess of when you find oil and I guess luck when you get it up safely, too. So that luck had run out at this point. In 2010, the rig was 10 years old. And so the rig was operated by PP, but in this kind of situation, there's the company that operates it and then um, other companies that own really large percentages of the shares and kind of fund it. So for that purposes, the largest shareholder was Macondo Prospect, which was 65%. And there was a couple other companies that had lesser ones. I think, um, I think it's Transoceanic was another company that had a larger share. But anyway, now that we've kind of covered a little bit of that, let's set the scene. So it was 
uh, 9.56 p.m. on April 20th, 2010. Can you imagine so, people who went to bed early on this day and then had to wake up to the news? Yeah. So we're all like 10 or 11 at that point. 2010? We're like... We're in fifth grade. Nine. We're like nine. And except for our I, Anna, who's a big kid and was 11. No, uh, 2010. 10. We're, so 99, we are the year. It's like that. Anyway, so. Yeah, but it's April. So that's true. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. So, yeah, because then we're plus one. Mm-hmm. So, I know how we're that's all in right. fifth grade at this point for us. If you were born in 99 or uh, 98, like we were, and ended up being in the same school grade as we were, you were also in fifth grade. <laughs> for all of you, the large majority of you that are not exactly that, well. <laughs> so, up until this point, it had been a seemingly normal day. Um, for most of the crew. So there's 126 crew members on the rig. So for these people, out of seemingly nowhere, there was a massive explosion. Okay, so we're going to come back to this later on, and you're going to tell us of all the, like, different things that, like, maybe if you paid a little bit of attention, you might have known this was coming, which makes me feel like we're going to come back to this moment and be like, oh, no, it came out of nowhere. How could we have predicted this? So this explosion created an immense amount of fire that started. Always something you really want to have when you're drilling oil, a very flammable substance. So it surrounded all of the crew members on board. So firsthand Mm -hmm. accounts collected by the New York Times described crew members cut by shrapnel, thrown across rooms and having to try to crawl in the pitch black because all the lights were out covered in substances they're covered in oil from this explosion and they're flammable and there's fire all around them they have to try to get to the lifeboat deck at least they have that extra boat nearby now i know right maybe we learned from sea gem a little bit we learned a little bit but not enough many of the crew actually made the jump into the oily water, which was 4,992 feet. Some of them just risked it because it was full of fire and they couldn't get to the lifeboat deck because all of this crumbling and shrapnel and fire, some of them just had to risk jumping. Okay, this is a really morbid, I mean, this I'm is a really incident. I'm going to say 9-11 because that's exactly <laughs> what it reminds me of is that the people who were just surrounded by burning and collapsing building are like, fuck it, I'm going to just take my chance. Because it's either this or die yeah. in the fire. Yeah, I and I heard that too. I don't know how they collect this data, but I guess they it's generally agreed upon that like dying by fire is like the one of the worst ways to go. Yeah. I don't know if they're like interviewing people as it's happening to get that data, but you know maybe. Well, if you think about better. the amount of nerve endings that are being roasted while you're on fire, as opposed to one distinct splat and then you're done. Yeah, I think it's, like, a theoretically the worst way to die. And also, like, if you're falling that far, you might even just suffocate on the way down because, like, it's really hard to get the air in your lungs while you're moving at terminal velocity. Anyway, to to take a step back from 9-11, during all of this chaos, 11 men lost their lives. How many were on the rig at this time? 126. I don't want to say that's not too bad. But in proportion, when you think about C-Gem. Because yeah, like like, almost half of the people died in C-Gem. Yeah. 
This is triple. Di- oh my god, I was right. So it's 11 men were injured and then, or sorry, 11 men lost their lives and 17 were injured. So in comparison, far less. To see That's like surprising to me because I would yeah. have imagined it would have been far worse. But still, I mean, hard. it's still bad. It's still yeah. really bad and probably avoidable. Don't get me wrong, but I almost would have expected worse at this point. Yeah. Um, two days after the explosion. It was reported by the Coast Guard that the rig was sinking. It hadn't sunk yet. So two days after, it was sinking, and the rig actually capsized. Was it it's, still on fire at this point? Because there's still more oil. I'm not sure the state of the fire, but I do know that they had tried to do a quick fix by putting drilling mud in to stop the oil leak and the natural gas leak. But when the rig collapsed, it was essentially blown through and more oil started to discharge. Love it. So it got even worse. So I love the quick fix that just makes it worse. So real quick, I want to show you the picture and I'll share my screen and we can describe it. So that's not great. So I guess it, it was still on fall. What this was this the next day? I believe this was during the time of the incident. So this was. Well, this couldn't have. Or no, maybe because it was nine. It was like ten o'clock at night. When it I, happened. It must have been like they must have been fighting this fire like through the night. I imagine. So this must be like. Nope. The next day. Oh, sorry. I was trying to get double check the timing. So give me a second, because I'm going to double check when this, how long this fire burned. Because like there's still oil, and from what I understand of an oil fire is that it. Unless it's choked out, it it will keep going until it runs out of fuel. And when there's you fuel, have lots of fuel coming out of the earth consistently. Oh, I I did want to say I also got conflicting times when I think it happened because I think sometimes were different time zones. So some of them were saying it was like seven something p.m. Some of them were saying it was nine something p.m. No I one think put Eastern Standard Time at the on the end of that. I think seven the seven um forty five was the central time, which I think would have been the proper time for that. Would it though? Florida is in smack in the middle of the Eastern Standard Time. But the Where Gulf is, the is Gulf? quite large. It is. Where was it in the Gulf? On the prospect. Closer to. Prospect. Wait. So, the Mexico, Mexico side. Mexico? I love that I asked about the, oh, no, it, like, pulled up immediately. Okay, so it was uh, 41 miles off the coast of Louisiana. Louisiana. Okay, so that's, like, what's the middle one? Is that central time? This is all helpful. <laughs> it isn't central daylight time. I thought it was okay. eastern daylight time, so I guess it I is mean, 7 you p.m. Thought, you're, like, close enough. You're close it's, like, enough. right on the line. Yeah. How long does the fire burn on Deepwater Horizon? Let's see. Too long. It was indistinguishable. Huh? Inextinguishable, you mean? Inextinguishable. So it kept going on. Oh, so it had to have been on fire when it was sinking. Yes. So I think that picture must have been from the day after. Mm. Mm -hmm. Obama talked about this in his memoir because he, what's it? I don't remember what that memoir was called. It was the most recent one that was like 800 pages long. But he talks about that and he was like, Multiple. Damn. He's a he also has some people, I got time to write now that I'm not president. 
so it was the one about the uh, I think it was the one leading up to his presidency and describing the beginning of his presidency. But he talks about it and he I believe he describes this incident as like the ocean is on fire or like the ocean was. Yes, on fire. Yes, I remember that very That's vaguely. So is it the one that came out in 2020, A Promised Land? Uh, yeah. I think I got it for Christmas that year. It, it, so I'm like processing. I don't have the book with me. We'll assume it's the promised land. Go so, read Obama's memoirs. <laughs> he's a great guy. Great guy. So It I wanna, was a really long book. I don't know if I'd recommend it, actually. So I want to paint this picture for you guys. Um, You guys know Dawn Dish Soap? I remember the commercials. You know Maybe the little duck on the label? Yeah, because they cleaned um, oil. Wait, I don't like how grim. Oh, this is going to get grim, isn't it? So I feel like duck- I never fully registered how kind of effed up that is. The, the duck is representative of this incident because Dawn dish soap was used to clean up all the wildlife that had been drenched in oil. Because it's tough on stains and grease. The Gulf of Mexico spill, sponsored by Dawn. Dawn. Part of what inspired me to... Like, one, I was looking up companies that had um, felonies. Mm, right. Two. Are we going to do an episode on Don Disso? Is that where this is going? <laughs> no, 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 For BP. BP has the felonies. Right, okay, right, right, right. I was going to go like, So that convinced me. But also, I was looking at a bottle of Don Dish Soap, and I was like, the duck. <laughs> Don Dish Soap. And it went, boop. And now I had to look. I feel like as a little kid, I was just like, oh, yes, you buy Dawn dish soap for all the puppies and kittens and ducklings that you need to clean all the time because they get so messy. So just to talk about the wildlife. In total, the spill was estimated to have harmed or killed 82,000 birds, 6,165 sea turtles, 25 1,900 marine mammals, and an unknown but likely massive number of fish. We don't care about how many fish died. The problem We're not is gonna count it that is number. impossible, basically, to account. That's the true. would have washed away the corpses or it would have been eaten by something else. Like, it's just hard to count the fish. Yeah. Although, as well, it probably killed a lot of plankton. And little known fact, plankton is actually the number one contributor of carbon dioxide into the atm- carbon dioxide to oxygen transfer in our planet, not trees. Hmm. So that would explain some greenhouse gases and climate change that happened after this. He really went like, wow, is that ocean life? Fuck them. Kill it. Get rid of it. We don't need it. And we're all just like, ah. I read some of the profiles about the men who had died. Mm. It's very heartbreaking. Um, many of them were married with children. One man's wife was nine months pregnant when this happened. Ah. Oh. oh, my God. Another man was engaged to be married in July of that year. Oh. And here is. get the deposit back. That's not the point, but, like, that's so soon before. Everything's already bought. Like, the wedding dress is probably already there. One of the saddest parts, from what I could tell and from what has been reported, none of the bodies of the deceased were recovered. I mean, yeah, that kind of makes sense because it was 
inextinguishable and you can't risk lives on a body retrieval and also probably the fire was really hot and burned for a long time so I imagined it was a free cremation and but we know that is rough we're using humor to deal with people this people but it has uh, to be funny because if it's not funny it's horrifying I just also think of people whose, like, religions are very against, like, the because people, some people believe that your body needs to be intact when you die or um, mm. possibility of resurrection. There's, like, a whole other thing. There's a lot of things where people believe that your body, when you die, should be preserved and should be kept in one piece. So that, I imagine, if that was the case for any of these families, must have been just another nail in the coffin. To go with that, but also the damage and injuries to animal life uh i couldn't find specifically what it does to animals because there's like a little bit of variance depending on the animal but i did find a cdc piece on like what crude oil does to skin when it comes in contact love it uh skin reddening swelling burning uh gets worse after exposed to the sun because it just is a reverse sun sunscreen uh, and then can make you more likely to develop a rash or skin infection and is very, very irritating to your eyes. And can you imagine if you're a little duck, you can't clean your eyes. You can also get from the fumes, chemical pneumonia, irritation of the nose, throat and lungs, which I think we saw with some of those workers in the previous incident who were ill, as well as lungs, headache, dizziness, drowsiness, loss of coordination, fatigue, nausea, labored breathing and chronic exposure can result in irregular heartbeats, convulsions, and a coma. So just to all of that, all of these animals being covered in this first off, but also just so we get a better idea, this spill continued on for 87 days and released 134 million gallons. Which actually, I guess barrels is a form of measurement because it says uh, 3.19 million barrels to answer our question from last time. We're- so like the barrels have to probably hold a certain amount. Yeah. So this is going to sound terrible, but like this is the world we live in. But I was just thinking to myself when you were saying that, like, I remember people like really blamed Obama for this. He said they said like he was doing a bad job and. Like, this was the worst disaster. And then I'm now I was just thinking about that. And then I thought to myself, well, remember when that was the worst we've ever had to deal with? And that's not true either. It's Uh, (laughs) Well, we were um, for that at the time. But like people were like, oh, this is the worst thing. I've never seen a president handle something worse. And I'm just, I look back on that and I'm like, he didn't even really do that bad a job. And look at we have to do, what we have to deal with now. <laughs> Britain said. From our leadership. So to talk about how this happened, mm. there was a new scientist article that actually like had the best breakdown of what happened. Because there's a lot of muddling of all the different things, but this article was it's really like great. The media coverage on this was huge huge and there's a lot of different things so this was a really concrete breakdown of like the eight failures that led to this disaster i'm gonna tell you exactly how you fucked up number one (laughs) number one (laughs) essentially 
um, the best way to sum this part up is that the cement base of the rig was defective. The base was is the base like where the drill is and under the water or so, yeah, the... it was supposed to like contain the oil and gas while the drilling occurred so that like other things couldn't escape so it wouldn't become uncontrollable. So you kind of like have like it's like a seal around everything while you're drilling so you don't get it just spurting up in other places. Because it was defective, um, the pressure kept building at the base and it couldn't be stopped. So eventually just blew over. The House Committee uh, on Energy and Commerce said that BP should have tested their base as part of maintenance. Um, and this would have costed them $128,000. It would have taken 12 hours at most. This was in 2010, right? Yes. Not me looking up how much BP oil made in the year 2010. Uh, $308 million annually. I think, here's the thing, I think that that 2010 number was cut out by a lot of fines. True. So look at yeah, what, what 2009 is would probably be the better comparison. Better look at the kind of money. Because they were, they were in a deficit for a couple of years after that. I'm looking at, like, the graphs. The graphs. So, while you look that up, number two, the valves that prevent uh, cement backflow uh, didn't close while installing, which would probably led to some of that uneven layering of the base, which made it defective. Three, uh, BP and Transocean employees weren't interpreting pressure tests correctly. So that's a failure on training on both BP and Transocean. <laughs> coming back to those un unofficial procedures, I keep coming back to the phrasing of that. Four, the leak was not found soon enough. So there was like this leak which would have been detected by a water inflow and mud outflow monitoring, um, but it was not reasonably accurate with the outflow versus inflow observations like there's no accurate observations made because they're not reading anything right and it's this leak in this whole cement base that was defective that led to this five there was a valve that failed to work and close which would have prevented the blowout um it didn't work so oof six the separator, which separates gas from mud flow while drilling, was being overwhelmed while this was all happening. Seven, the gas alarm system failed. And eight, the blowout preventer in the system, which included a flat battery and defective switch. So it didn't work. <laughs> so it sounds like the company kind of rushed this initial setup of the whole rig and then lacked maintenance and monitoring of its machinery. And so while they were working on other things, they didn't take the time to make sure that it was all set up and operating properly. Okay, so I think I found if macrotrends.net is accurate, they made a in the in a trailing 12 months 55.4 billion dollars in the year 2009. We think about probably roughly about the same amount that it would have been for the next year if they hadn't had to pay a ton of fines. Mm. So I'm going to start to get into some of the aftermath and the punishments. 
most of this comes from an actual Department of Justice document. Let me tell you, some of the quotes from here were like absolutely savage. And so these like government personnel and attorneys were like, mm-mm. Mm-mm. you messed up. <laughs> so this incident put 11 counts of felony manslaughter on BP's record. And this is the first time they're actually charged with. Yes. From what I can find, people. this is the only time that I can find that they were actually charged with this felony manslaughter. Because if I'm wrong, then covered, I just they, my story. Right. Because as we've covered, they've, they've killed people on accident through yeah. negligence before. BGEM and Texas City Refinery are the two cases that we BP was made to pay an historic $4 billion in criminal felonies and penalties. And then there was a $525 million that was paid for security regulators. And that's them having to pay for the court to make sure they don't fuck up again. Kind of, yeah. So these fines were structured so that half of it would benefit the Gulf region to help the residents recover and rebuild. During all of these proceedings, um, BP also pled guilty to lying to Congress, which is the obstruction of Congress that we talked about. We love that. And then was also charged with making false statements to law enforcement officials. Because why tell the truth when you can simply lie? Of course. And then on top of all... By the way, I just, I know this was in 2020, 2020, 2010, but a reminder for that area, Hurricane Katrina had hit five years before that. So they'd maybe just barely rebuilt after Hurricane Katrina in certain areas. And then oil spill. Yeah. Don't live in near the Gulf, I guess. Hurricanes or oil spill. So on top of all this, they were also charged with violations of the Clean Water and Migratory Bird Treaty Acts. Again. Well, the clean water again, at least. Yeah. So... Um, The line to Congress part refers to BP misrepresenting how much oil was being released from the well and into the environment. Do you think there's not like a several teams right there next to the drill checking that constantly? Like of all the things to lie about, that is the easiest to check. Because as we know, I mean, the reasons why... President Obama was also being criticized at this time because the government had to get involved. So it's not just... BP that's out there trying to like manage their oil spill. You have like actual like a ton of people that are coming involved from the government, from different like organizations, especially or environmental organization trying to help clean these birds. <laughs> With Don Soap. <laughs> With Don Dish Soap. Randomly became the hero of this. <laughs> Good. Really though. And you know what? They don't let you live that down because there are still ducks on their like on the original unscented version of their soap. Yeah. And they had like the National Guard there too. I double checked because I thought they would, but like everybody out here cleaning up this oil. And then BP's like, it's not that. They're trying to gaslight people while they're cleaning up the massive amounts of oil. BP it's like, very... we gaslit before, we'll do it again and again. You know what? Honestly, though, this was probably exactly what the BP board was thinking is like, you know, we've gotten out of scraps in the past. It'll be fine. We just have to gaslight everybody. I mean, who's to say there's even really oil in the Gulf? I think that... You know, if there was an oil spill now, that is exactly the kind of dialogue we would be having. Yeah. I think that, like, another thing 
just as another I think Dawn Dish Soap also just donated money too and probably donated supply like I think that's the whole reason for their campaign is that they're like donating all this stuff to help the wildlife so back to what we're talking about there was this really great quote from um sorry if I put this name um Robert Kuzami apologize if I said that That wrong pretty right but I don't know he was a uh, director of U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission's Division of Enforcement. Uh, in there. He, he stated, and I love this quote, good corporate citizenship and responsible crisis management means that a company can't hide critical information simply because it fears backlash. And that is in response to lying to Congress about the amount of oil. You know what, though? That's a really good point, because we were just talking earlier about one of the other incidents that, like, if I hit somebody with my car, I'm probably going to jail for manslaughter, even if it was an accident. But, like, BP won't, even though they killed 10 people by accident. So I think the idea of, like, corporate citizenship of, like, yeah, you're a company, but you're still you still have a citizenship duty to follow the law. Here's, I'm going to talk about the three players that really came into light in the court cases and that were charged from the company. I think some uh, articles mentioned that there are four. I really couldn't figure out who this fourth person was. I really got these three. So to start, the fourth one is probably was, the richest. Just throwing that out there. There was two supervisors on site at Deepwater Horizon that admitted that um, they, and I'm quoting from the official documents, observed clear indication that the Macondo well was not secure and that the oil and gas were flowing into the well. Uh, The supervisors then decided not to take action. So were these supervisors, when you say on site, do you mean like they were living on the rig, working on the rig? That or I think they also they probably came for instance, they, they're supervisors on the rig. So I imagine they come to the rig. They might not be there full time. I'm not quite certain. I love the way that um, the official documents phrase this when they said the supervisors decided not to take obvious and appropriate steps to prevent. the blow. I love when legal documents get so passive aggressive with shit. But like the reason I asked that was that I was like, if I was living on a rig. And it was my job to make sure that that rig didn't collapse and kill us all. I feel like I would be very good at that job. I feel like I would be on it to make sure that the place that I was living didn't collapse in the middle of the night. Like, maybe that's just me. I also wonder, though, if they had, um, because these are the people that BP essentially, like, pointed the finger to. I'm I was going to bring that up once we were done talking about them. I was like, I wonder how much of this is scapegoating. Yeah. Anyway, um, both of these men were charged with 11 violations of Seaman's manslaughter statue, which is a special kind of manslaughter. And then it's worth if you murder people on on the water. <laughs> and then 11 voluntary uh, 11 violations of involuntary manslaughter and one charge of Clean Water Act demeanor. So, so misdemeanor. So essentially the same as the company. So wait, did they charge them twice, essentially? They gave them 11 violations of sea murder and then 11 violations of land murder? Yes. So here's the thing. 
2015, the Seaman's manslaughter counts uh, were dismissed um, by the Department of Justice because there was already. The, yeah, that's a little much. Yeah, but then you've after, essentially charged them twice for the same crime, and that's not really okay. But then Even after that, the Department of Justice also dismissed the 11 counts of involuntary manslaughter. Okay, I'm I'm of two minds on that. Because on the one hand, I have to wonder how much of this is scapegoating. And I also wonder if it's really their responsibility or the company who didn't, like, taught, who improperly trained people at every turn, took the corner cut when they could. Like, this is clearly a systemic problem with the company rather than it is a problem with these specific people. And we'll never really know the exact complete unbiased truth on this about how much culpability these people actually had. So I don't know if you can actually say if they're responsible. But then also they kind of are if it is how they said it was. We're going to talk about this more later, but it's really hard to charge employees under a company when they are working with for the company on something. Like it's hard. It's messy in that way. You know, that said, though, I was just following orders is not a viable defense no. for military personnel. No. I'm not saying we should tr- treat it the same way, but it's it, it. you're right. It gets really sticky when it's companies which aren't because it's easy to say, oh, that company like should be held accountable. Who? Yeah, the company's not a person. That's yeah. several thousand people, all of them making their own decisions and with different levels of knowledge and culpability. So we're going to come back to this later, but keep that in mind. <laughs> so one of the men, um, Vidrin. His, his last name, uh, pleaded guilty to the Clean Water Act misdemeanor. And then the other man, Kaluza, took his charge to trial and then was acquitted. How much jail time do you get for a Clean Water Act misdemeanor? Or do you even get jail time at all? Or does it depend? Um, I can't, As like an individual. I think it said... She just held her finger up to be like, hang on. I'm going to find it. Because if you are a BP and you get a Clean Water Act violation, you just pay like a he million dollars. He was sentenced, dollars. so he was sentenced to 10 months of probation. Oh, so he didn't even really serve jail time. I don't, again, I'm of two minds about whether or not I want these individuals to be held responsible. In the 10 months or since? No, I think since then. I think it might have been 2017. So it wasn't long after, but he was like 69. So the other man, nothing. He was acquitted. So, so I wonder if the jury were also having these conversations of, of like, do these individual probably. people deserve the culpability? Probably. And then the other charge that I could find information on um, was to David Rainey for obscuring Congress. Lying um, he, to Congress. He was a BP senior executive at the time. And then in 2015, he was acquitted. So a lot of these changes happened in 2015. Here are my Were the, did they like come back and recharge them? Because that's like a five years after no, the actual I think oil spill. fighting this for that long, and it took that long to get it processed. Dang. Because I think it. Because takes... they know trials can take a while. Yeah. Because I think they probably one took a long time to come up with the charges and decide what the charges should be. Um, two probably took a while to find the specific people to charge. And then three, you have court cases and battles that happened later because of that. Mm. 
So and maybe appeals to who knows. Yeah. So like we were talking about with the other two supervisors, I'm also curious about David Rainey because yes, he was a senior executive, but I wonder if he was also told to say those numbers and su- probably supplied with those numbers. So I don't know. Again, yeah, like what's he theory. lying to Congress he or probably, is he just? He probably also had interior motives. I mean, he was a senior executive, so he did hold power in the company. So he did have something on the line and some kind of, uh, you know, incentive to do so. But it's a it's little totally scary. down the rabbit hole, though, of trying to figure out, like, who's the big fish when it comes to companies like this. Because, sure, he's a senior executive and he's probably got a certain amount of culpability. But also, like, what has he been told to say? What has he been told to do? Because there's probably somebody who's higher up on the food chain who's telling him to do certain things. So here, so, like, basically no one got jail time. It's really good to know that no one got jail time for that giant oil spill that we were all freaking out about. How many years ago? 12 years ago? I understand math and time. Yeah, yeah, 12. Because it was 2010. Because I remember, like, people were up Obama's butt about how, like, what a bad job he was doing of handling this. And, like, then to know that the people responsible didn't even get any jail time. It's like, then did you even really care that much about the oil spill? Or did you just care about using it as an excuse to vilify Obama as an administrative leader? You know? Plus, in all honesty, when have we ever had, like, a disaster that was this big like yeah there's and like stuff on land, directly like, somebody's fault yeah at least to my knowledge i don't think there's really anything else in history that's been like it's been really heckin bad and look at all these animals that died and people but you know people be like i think we're also primed in a place where we are at especially at that point and this point in time super aware of the environment and super concerned about it mm. yeah in the 80s there was a uh, aerosolized cans and we were realizing that like that was burning a hole in our ozone layer so people were like um stop that please stop doing that and then we were like okay we're doing good for the most part but like you know we should really be careful because it looks like stuff's on the horizon and then something like this comes out and, you know, everyone who's like, it's OK if we're really careful, conservative and switch to sustainability, it's going to be OK. And you imagine just turning on the news and there's just an oil spill and you're like, OK. Yeah. Or we can all die in 10 years. And now we're here and there's fires all the time and it rains a bunch here because I remember we were so somebody who was like an expert in like the local environment was talking to a thing out some people for a thing I was doing and they were saying we're looking at like a 26% increase in precipitation over the next year. Then we, then the national, then the average for this area that because of global warming and also it's going to be colder in the winters and hotter in the summers. And I was like, okay, I love it. I love extreme weather patterns. And then there was that year. Do you remember when we got four feet of snow? I was just going to add to that weather thing to say that that's like also it affects like tourism but that's not really important because we that's a capitalism thing and fuck capitalism no one's be going gonna be going on tours when we're all burning in the lakes of fire like for new england and 
New England, for example, like one of the big, the big things for us are like maple syrup and, and fall foliage. And like these changes in weather impact um, like the vibrant, the vibrant foliage. And it makes like for less good maple syruping years. So like over time, it's going to be like the loss and, and, and like it becomes harder and harder. I saw like a news story talking about like grape wines like grapes for wine for instance like there's just certain things that are going to become more and more expensive or more difficult or more rare because of the changes in weather and think about how this oil spill affected tourism in the gulf yeah no one wants to go to florida that year and to the maple syrup thing like just this last year in 2021 canada who's more known for maple syrup than we are in new england just because they had to go in the vault and pull out maple syrup can you because i know like when i go places that's not like super close to like a maple syrup sugaring area or like a metropolitan area that like don't have it as much and they give me like fake syrup i'm like what the hell is this get this away from me and can you imagine and like when we have grandchildren they're gonna be like grandma what's maple syrup and you have your like you have this like tiny bottle and as you're dying you pass it along to your grandchild (laughs) along with like the last maple tree seed with some trees unless someone like you cares a whole awful (laughs) my maple trees are not the same as dr seuss's trufula trees (laughs) Okay, we got a good metaphor, though. You can't just hand off maple syrup and go like, go save the trees, girl. You have juice. You're giving them like boiled tree juice. Maple tree seed too. Okay, we gotta come back to BP. I gotta drag you guys back. No more maple syrup. So BP in 2011 was named the worst company in America by the consumer. That's a thing. You can be named by the consumerist. Yes. What? what? This is more of a. Yeah, that's my question. (laughs) But I think that's a fitting title. It is. It absolutely is. Uh, Meta Facebook. Yeah, that seems right. Is this year's. So, um, before I get into how they got away with this, uh, what can we learn from this? Well, first and foremost, don't cut corners on safety and inspect your property regularly. Please don't ignore the warning signs that you know are there. Like, come on. The amount of alarms. This has never worked out for this company. Yes. The amount of alarms in these cases that people just, like, disregarded or weren't working. That's just, it's wild to me because this absolutely 100% easily could have been avoided. Mm -hmm. And it's not even about things that, like, oh, if you just, if we'd had these safety measures in place, we could have avoided this. No. These safety measures were in place. We just chose to ignore it. Because that's expensive, and we're we don't do that. It's just a major lack of oversight, lack of training, lack of inspections, and just like disregard of best practices. <laughs> I keep coming back to the phrasing of unofficial procedures. What does that mean? It's so you diverge from your guidelines. Why? Why would you do that? It's an unofficial procedure. Sounds to me like you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Hey, besties, we're going to break away from standard and do one of these bad boys. Woo! So, talking about how they got away with it, I read this 
really great kind of article um, from Duke Law by this person named Andrew Park, and it's called The Endless Cycle of Corporate Crime and Why It's So Hard to Stop. That's not at all relevant to today. Very fitting. Um, it kind of lists out, lists out a couple of different reasons. Um, the first being uh, that there are limits to law. So it's really hard to apply criminal law to businesses since you can't treat a corporation like a single person. Yeah, we've been kind of back that and that back and forth. Yeah. And so thinking about like these counts of manslaughter. So now the company has that as felonies, but it's hard to defer, like determine. Do these single people get it? Can they get it? Although Congress makes these regulations in law um, that can encourage there's these all these regulations and laws that try to do their best to hold companies accountable. But often businesses encourage their employees to do the maximum or minimum that the law allows. They go right to the edge of what law will allow, which also makes it really difficult. Another concern um, that I'm sure plays into a lot of this is potential consequences of smearing a company's name first that off. comes back to like when a man assaults a woman and then they're like oh but we don't want to ruin he's got such a good life ahead of him and i'm like bitch i don't give a shit here's the other thing though thinking too i think probably what goes through these people's minds is also if i shut down this company all of the employees that work for them and that they provide jobs for that has to go through your mind at least once or twice. Because a company like BP, billion dollar company, so many employees. Yeah, you also kind of have to think about the other side of that too. Like if this company, I doubt that BP could really be shut down because they have so many different like branches. But, you know, I was just thinking about that while you were talking about how you can't really apply law to companies like you do to individuals. Mm -hmm. And I was like, maybe if you like get a certain number of felonies as a company, you, you can't be a company anymore. But then you're totally right. You have to think about like the long outreaching indirect consequences of that. The like people who are just trying to do jobs, the, the like people who could just kind of subvert that by mm -hmm. changing the name or moving it around a little, like there's just like no easy way to litigate it. Something that my dad talked about is that there are like cigarette companies at a time they would there are some companies that would essentially be fined a bunch or would do all this wrongdoing, would get all these things and have to shut down, um, would take their money and just restart again under a different name. Exactly. And that's just how it went for a while. I here's the next thing. So the second issue that this article discusses is placing blame, which is what we were talking about earlier a lot. Um, there's a you legal- You have to go to Duke University. Like I already know. Yeah. I already know all of law. So there's this legal concept called uh, respondent superior. And so when employees or other agents commit crimes in the course of their employment, um, essentially the corporation cannot be imprisoned and because it's an entity and the employees of the corporation can't be imprisoned because they were working under um their company <laughs> so the company holds the responsibility when the employees do these things but the company can't be held responsible and in this 
messed up web, the employee can't be held responsible because responsibilities on the company. And it's just. It's a total catch 22. And I feel like that comes back to what we were talking about earlier about like how I was just following orders is not a defense and like criminal court for military personnel. Maybe we just need to implement that. Maybe we need to start implementing that. I'm not, that's not going to work in the way we want. Cause you know, they're just going to find somebody to, although they probably do that in the military too. They just find somebody smaller to blend. There's no winning. What is the point of law? You can't get anybody in trouble for anything who actually does anything wrong. Cause they're too smart at avoiding it. Yeah. So and a lot all of you what, do is end up punishing people who did nothing. So a lot of what governments and the, people who are being charged will do is they get fines and then fines can be often a drop in the bucket for a lot of these companies. But also recently um, the government has been settling a lot of these crimes charges towards businesses through deferred prosecution agreements, DPAs, meaning that the company accepts liability, takes the fine, agrees to cooperate with the government and escapes conviction, which is what kind of what we saw in than what they were doing before. Hmm? Like, I was just going to say, how is that any different from what they've always done? It's just the, the like, government shakes their fist at the company and takes yeah. basically a quarter out of their pocket. Like, how is that any different from how it they've makes always me handled think it? think of people who, like, apologize on the internet and take accountability and then don't Apol- YouTube apology videos. <laughs> this is the, this is the OG YouTube equivalent. apology video. The corporate equivalent of an apology video. Oh, oh my god. YouTube apology so video sorry, with guys. ads. Oh no. Uh cry. I'm crying so hard. Can't you guys see my eyeliner running? Sir, you don't wear makeup. Oh just, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Instead of two years, it's a God. I'm so sad. Oh no, all the projects are delayed. So sad. Oh, and then no. the final thing that I'm going to touch on is um, regulation. So while there have been laws have been expanded to help the government kind of govern corporate conduct, um, which has opened the door for more like regulations and enforcement, it can still be incredibly difficult. Um, I'm just thinking about as part of that, the sheer manpower that it would take to run through inspections on every business that there is, um, how much needs to stand up like stack up violations wise or just evidence wise to have to launch an investigation it also takes maybe if we move some of the budget from the military it also takes a lot of evidence to bring legal action against a corporation which might also be why it took so long for bp's uh different lawsuits and such to go through because it you have to have a ton of evidence to even step up to a huge corporation so just like as the final thing and then we can i'd like to get your guys's two cents about this is that i think a lot of this what a lot of what would help is increased oversight from the government but it's really hard to do that because i think in a lot of these cases the company can say oh yeah totally we inspected that checkbox but they could not have you're relying on a lot of different people to do their jobs and then inspections would help a lot with a lot of these things but i don't know how to make that better or how to do the inspections better or how to get um this is a really disappointing ending on elasive i don't know how to make this better 
Exactly. So I just want to go around our little squares and kind of get everyone's around the table final thoughts. So I guess why don't we start with our guests and then we can end with you, Kelsey, as the co-host. So Stephanie, if you're feeling up to it. This isn't really like a solution or anything, but something I was thinking about when you were talking about that issue of like accountability was the test the obedience studies that Milgram did um and like the ways in which people are willing to do a lot more um especially if they can't see the end results or like what the the consequences of their actions but they're willing to do a lot more if someone who is an authority figure tells them that they have to do it um which is like a, a very gross and simplification of a, a large series of studies that were somewhat un, unethical um, and caused a lot of psychological distress to the test subjects. Very ironic, considering the subject of that study. Yes. <laughs> um, but like, I suppose like if you were discussing accountability, that. And like the issue of accountability, then one way would be to try to do like an to like reimagine um, how we form companies and like authority. Like there are there are uh, more progressive companies, for instance. And this doesn't fix like the accountability thing, I guess, but it makes it um, so that people. I'm not really explaining this at all well, but like if there are fewer authority figures and it is a more equitable. Uh, company distribution uh, of power like a more equitable hierarchy and distribution of power um where it's like not a tree but rather like um no roots are just the, the opposite of that i'm trying to think of something that's like horizontal i can't then you might have people who are willing to say no when things cross like moral ethical um violations or when things have or when people are like we need to cut these corners to meet this deadline or we need to cut these corners because that's the way it's always been done mm-hmm. so that's my penny in the bucket of billions <laughs> Anna what are your thoughts it doesn't have to be on accountability or anything it's just on the whole thing um I was trying to look up to see what the name of that one dam I mentioned way a while ago to figure out what it is. It turns out that we got multiple broken dams in America, for example. So the one I was specifically talking about was like around the San Francisco area. And that was like the St. Francis dam disaster. But there's like other, you know, like. You cut out for a minute, Anna. Why don't you restart your sentence? I heard the dam and then you named the dam. That was it. Oh, rip. So I was pretty much just talking, it's pretty much just, um, A, if people, if people are saying, hey, there's stuff that you might have to worry about, maybe pay attention and actually look at that shit. Um, and I was trying to look up the specific dam that I was talking about earlier, the one in San Francisco. Turns out there's been other instances like that before, and it's pretty much just like, how come we aren't learning from our history? We like, don't learn from te- our mistakes. We're really not. Like, we're really out here like, 
I think we shall skip corners and ignore the warnings that people are telling us. It will be fine because we have lots of money. And it's like, well, you could, but then you look like a dick when shit goes down. Like, uh, was I don't know, who's like the top, top guy in this situation of like the company? I don't even know. Like, what's he even doing anymore? Is he dead? He might be. I don't know. I'm thinking about this. I'm just like. The CEO of BP in 2010 was Tony Hayward. Okay. Because I was, I'm thinking about this and I'm like. And he was replaced in October of 2010 by Bob Dudley. Interesting. Because I was just like, were they ever, I'm trying to remember because I know that a lot of information was thrown at us. And I'm like trying to remember if they actively did anything because it's their company of course so i'm just like did they do anything they had to have been on the bigger trials because yeah they would have to re- represent the company i yeah. believe no but i see what anna's saying though it's like it's not like they were going to the workers directly no. and saying hey cut these corners hey do this oh, hey yeah. do that yeah yeah because it's like were they are there instances of people just not telling them anything or are they kind of just like Oh no, like you can do whatever you guys think is best. I don't know. Cause I'm just like, is it on the company? Is it on those people in charge of those areas? It's scary to think about. Cause yeah. luckily, um, as far as I'm aware of, we don't have like anyone that works in places like that or anyone like that that we know of. I'm repeating myself, but I'm just like, corporations are scary. Uh, to put it simply, bit like big boss people, they don't really care. They're really just, just like, oh, they're replaceable. I was just That's looking fun. like, um, so I, obviously the CEO got a lot of hate after this. Mm. And there's this report, um, from Reuters, um, June 2nd, 2010. And it was saying that. Tony Hayward, on the front lines of his company's battle to contain the Gulf of Mexico oil spill, apologized on Wednesday for saying he wants his life back. He said, I want my life back. Because <laughs> I think, like, oof, first off. I think also he had tenure, so that's why he lasted until October. And once his tenure ended, he was replaced. Oh. But here's my question. Because, like, you know, like, what was it? Jeff Bezos was, like, the CEO of Amazon, and now he's not CEO. But, like, he's still, like, a a shareholder or something. So he still has a lot of power and say. Like, is was this dude, like, entirely booted out? Or did he still have say in the company and, like, money that was generated from the company given to him and stuff? I'm oh, sure. is this, like, a Kat Von D situation? He is presently a senior independent non-executive director of the Chorus Group. Whatever okay, so he's still means. and he's also still a non-executive director of Tala Steel. So he's still rich. Okay. It's oh, just yeah. it's he doesn't make any decisions, it sounds like. He's right, not he's okay. never, a top dog anymore. You know, he never really got his life back. Let's let's consider the real losses here. <laughs> he lost <laughs> his wife. <laughs> so Kelsey, do you wanna give us your final okay. thoughts? She's ready. I'm gonna <laughs> about to go fucking I'm off. gonna try to keep this not 
a full length lecture? Two minute timer. Let's go. No, it's going to be a little longer than that. But okay. I make a like two, one and a half, two hour drive kind of often. So when I do that, I kind of like just think about stuff. I think about life, which sometimes leads you down a very long, terrible rabbit hole. And uh, this week's long, terrible rabbit hole was um, laws and morals. And how can you codify morals that are because of the current um, situation? I was like, can you make laws? with morals that are not inherently religious if you have citizens who are religious how like because morals are so we read this book in college that was about like where do morals come from either we all have universal a universal set of morals or it comes from your society specifically and i kind of always agreed with the idea that like there's a certain amount of universal morals like we all generally agree that murder is wrong just as a general. But there are a lot of specifics in that that like different people have different feelings on based on like how they grew up, what culture they've been surrounded in. And given recent events, I was thinking a lot about that. I was like, you can't really have a representative government that has those people in that government, but also not codify at least some of those morals into law. Anyway, I was having that whole discussion in my own brain about the separation of church and state. I was like, can you separate church and state if you have people in the church and your like representative government? But and I feel like I know that probably seems to be a bit of an aside, but that kind of brings me back to I remember in I watched Bones a lot. And in 2006, the like conspiracy theorist character was like, we live in a corporatocracy and everyone it was 2006 so everyone plays it off in the show like oh haha he's crazy and i'm just like no he's right he's right we live in a corporatocracy and we've gotten to the point where corporations have more rights than individuals and they also get none of the repercussions of the law they because we've been discussing that there's no accountability for anybody. There's no accountability for the individuals because it's on the company and there's no accountability for the company because the company is not a person that you can slap cuffs on and stick in jail. Mm -hmm. The most you can do is like take some money away from them, which in theory should work because we live in a capitalistic corporatocracy and money is the language that everybody understands. I feel like maybe we're just not doing a good enough job of giving proper punishments so i guess kind of sorry it's kind of like separation of church and state and then separation of corporation and state but that's what i'm saying yeah because yeah. it's totally the same thing of like yeah. when you treat these corporations as people then they all their own morals of and mores of you know, I shouldn't get responsibility, but I should also get all this power gets codified into law. And we see this so often, like we had that with the Koch brothers. We've had this probably with BP at some point or another where they've pushed along laws that benefited them specifically and gave money to the uh, representatives in the government who were going to champion those laws. And now we're all sitting here like, why does Coca-Cola have more rights as a company than I do as just a person. So it kind of comes to that. And there's no punishment for that. And I just, I don't know where I stand with law at the end of this discussion, Annalise. I'm disappointed. And I don't know that there is a right answer. Maybe we just need to rethink how we do law. 
that's the most disappointing part of this. Like, there's so many, so much to be disappointed about in this case, in this episode. But I think one of the most disappointing things for me is that there is no answer. I think that, but in addition to that, it's because, like, there was deaths here and injuries and probably some long-lasting consequences as a result of the oil spill and other issues. But what's almost worse about those things happening is that no one got punished. Yeah. Nobody got in trouble for that. There really wasn't any we can do better than this sort of. It's hard to... It's almost like, can we prevent this? Or is there always going to be a stone left unturned oversight not done properly? Like, it's so hard without micromanaging everything. And that's just impossible to do. Yes, I mean, I'm not going to say BP fucked up on a lot of things. But but it's hard to say where in our law, like, how can we do this better? It's hard to say. And the other thing about that is, in addition to the fact that no one got punished, which is like it appeals to your sense of justice, but also that means it could happen again. Yeah. And there's nothing to stop that from happening again. Like what, like you said, with your lack of there's no oversight, but then also could it could happen again. More people could get hurt. And we already know they're not going to get in trouble for it. Once again, they're just going to get away with it one more time because this is how they got away with it. It was an so- unintentional name drop. Yes. Hit me, baby, one more time. <laughs> so that's where we're going to end it for today. Um, this was pretty extensive. And honestly, I might have missed some facts, misconstrued some things. There was a lot of information. And none of us are lawyers, and we're over here trying to discuss law. Yeah. So, you know, if you have a correction, feel free. I'm, I'm not, you know, all-knowing. So... What? Oh yeah, you didn't know? Annalise, this all all this time. <laughs> Kelsey, I feel like I was depending on you for answers, and you didn't even give me one for this. All case. you've left me with is disappointment. So as you leave our table, as you are very disappointed, um, you know. This has happened again and again with other places. So just, you know, continue to be more disappointed. Bye. Are you going with the end? <laughs> bye. Oh, my God. Bye, Bestie. We live in a corporatocracy. This will happen again and again. Bye. Oh, no, no. Don't forget. We live in a corporatocracy. This could happen over and over again. There is no culpability. Bye-bye.